Welcome to RTC Services, A Place at the Table. We invite you to join us in our journey of educating, advocating, and honoring those in our community facing disabilities. Join us for season one of A Place at the Table to learn more about the challenges the developmentally disabled face and options that support them living their best lives. At RTC, we believe that our community is better when everybody works. Welcome back to RTC's A Place at the Table. I am so excited today to have Scott Marks from Opera, which is our community advocating group that helps us be able to do the best things we can do here in Logan County. Thank you so much, Mark, for being with us. Oh, thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Tell me a little bit about yourself and what brought you into this industry. So yeah, uh, my name is Scott Marks. I am yeah the vice president for the Ohio Provider Resource Association, OPRA. Um, as you said, you know we represent about 200 disability service provider agencies throughout the state. Uh, I've been here at OPRA about four and a half years now. Came on as the director of operations in 2019, just about four or five months before a global pandemic hit our world and basically everything turned <laughs> upside down. Uh, so, you know, had a very, very short lived uh, honeymoon phase over here before everything went topsy turvy. But yeah, I'm from New York originally. I was born and raised in Yonkers, New York. So over there, I that's where I kind of got into uh, the field of disability services. I actually started out as a, what we would call here in Ohio and now a DSP, a direct support professional. I was really an aide to teenage kids in a basically an integrated camp program that really focused on uh, supporting kids on the autism spectrum with their typically right. developing peers. So that's what kind of got me into the field and I've been in it ever since. So I moved to Ohio in about in 2008. I went to get my MSW, my Master's of Social Work from the Ohio State University. And from there got a placement with uh, one of our other state associations, which is the Association of County Boards. And I worked there for about 10 years before coming over to opera. So, so yeah, I've kind of worked on, on, I guess, both sides of the street here in Ohio, as far as our uh, local government side, which is our county boards of DD, and now working supporting our providers across the state. So what is your why behind coming into this industry? Yeah, that that's a great question. I well, my main thing is, I mean, I've always been a, I've always knew known I wanted to work in human services in in some way. That's sort of been just kind of whatever my calling, for lack of a better term, going a ways back. I didn't necessarily know that I would work in this specific space as far as disability services. But again, like I said, I kind of fell into the field through work I did when I was very young and really loved it and stayed in it. I think my big why is really I'm kind of a, a policy nerd. I like being involved and being able to impact and affect actual change on a policy and sort of big picture level that then kind of flows down and helps people all over the state. So that's really, I think, you know, my my big why and what sort of drives me in the work is I, I like being being a part of 
part of what's happening, you know, and, right. and like I said, the opportunity, especially through working in association work to really be able to uh, impact change that improves people's lives is just pretty awesome. Well, that's a pretty big why. So you've been in this industry a while. Yeah. And I think I'm, I'm new to this industry. Okay. I get the feeling that COVID, like a lot of industries, forced a lot of change. Some good, maybe, maybe some not so good. What do you see as the top two or three successes that Ohio has right now in our industry? Good things that are happening, maybe that came from COVID, maybe that are just um, coming after a long time of waiting. Yeah, well, I think you bring up a great point, which is, you know, the COVID and the few years around it really was a interesting time as far as it really forced us to confront some things, make some changes. And some of those, to your point, became positive things and things that we really should have been looking at from a sort of policy perspective from way before. So things about, you know, it was the COVID pandemic that allowed us to actually have rates for providers that uh, uh, really supported helping people get out into the community in a way that we never had prior to COVID. We had things such as allowing flexibility as far as allowing parents and families to be caregivers for their for their kids. These are all things that like should have been explored at some point, but really the pandemic forced us to, to look at that. But I, I think the big thing was, the and this was the huge um, event of the last year or so was, you know, we had had a staffing shortage in this field for a long time. So really a shortage of people that support their fellow Ohioans with disabilities in all the ways that our great providers do. But the pandemic just it just exploded that from what from a shortage to a crisis to an emergency, whatever you would call it. So we already had, you know, a shortage in this field. But then with the pandemic, we just saw wages in every other industry just skyrocket. Right. And the issue with our field is the wages that can be paid to any worker of a disability service provider are all are all dependent on our state legislature and what rates they determine they will pay for the Medicaid services. So a provider couldn't pay a competitive wage even if they wanted to um, right. uh, up, up until basically very recently. So, you know, we working with a number of our other stakeholder partners and really partnering with people with disabilities, their families and providers around the state uh, advocated for pretty, pretty incredible rate and reimbursement increases for disability service yeah. providers in our state budget. And we wound up being successful to that, ultimately uh, getting a 38% increase in the rates that providers are paid to provide their, uh, you know, their much needed and critical um, services. So it is one of those things where, 
you know, the staffing crisis and all of the hardship that people went through through that time is is terrible. But it did force our system to really look at the rates we pay, the reimbursement, the resources that we have for providers to provide those services, and ultimately kind of landed in what I think is going to be a much better place for our field and our industry. And I don't know if any of that would have happened without the last few years. I agree with you. I think it's going to make a huge difference in getting the quality of people that we want to serve our clients. Oh, completely. I mean, it's going to be, you know, hopefully it is just going to be kind of a game changer in a number of different ways of, like you said, of being able to compete with other uh, fields for workers. But then, yeah, really importantly, being able to recruit and bring in the folks with the training, the education, the background uh, and the skills to support um the, you know, the people that we support, especially in in the ways that we want to see people supported in our field, which is, you know, really helping people to be as independent as possible, to have as many connections in their community as possible, to be, to live as independently, as autonomously as possible. You know, that takes, that, you know, that really takes skill and resource. And, you know, I, I really am hopeful that we're we're entering a new day now. Yeah. I know for us, I think we've seen a positive impact from that already. So that's oh, great. that's good. So that's one great thing you've seen. Do you have you seen any other really good successes and things that we're doing really well right now? Oh yeah, I mean, I I think this field is you know especially I, I just think it's amazing, especially thinking of the last few years, especially COVID times of just what what people, their families, and providers have had to deal with just to get by, stay safe, be healthy, yeah. and also you know more than that, kind of to thrive in life. So I mean, I just see so many amazing things all the time. Um, just as far as, you know, perseverance and as far as, you know, really working through challenging times. Um, but, you know, something else um, that I'm really proud of as far as, uh, you know, an accomplishment for our field and really partnering with some of our uh, advocates and self-advocates is as uh, along with some of the investments we saw in the budget, we also worked with um, some of our some of the some of our state's, you know, kind of main advocates, uh, people with disabilities who are advocating on disability issues uh, to get, and this is going to get kind of in the weeds here, but I think it's a big deal. There's a policy called, or a program called the Medicaid buy-in for workers with disabilities. And it helps people with disabilities basically work in their communities and not lose access to some of their benefits. That happens sometimes when people with disabilities work too much, they make too much money, and some of their benefits start getting impacted. This program allows people to keep working, keep their benefits, but up until this last year, the program ended when people turned 65. There was an age limit for it. And so it forced people then out of work at that uh, at that age. And so, again, we, in partnership with some of the state's main advocates on this issue, wound up getting together with the state's Chamber of Commerce and advocating to have that age cap eliminated from that. And we were successful doing that in the state budget. And so that's, to me, just another really cool thing, just as far as a great thing that what happens once you have coalitions and partners and, 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 you know, meet with people about what's important to them and how can we help and how can we help each other and really realizing this issue that if we as a state say 
that employment for people with disabilities is uh, something that we want and we want to support, then we shouldn't have rules and programs and policies that disincentivize that. So it was just awesome to be able to get that removed. And, and again, just really excited to see where, where that goes now that that program doesn't have that, those limitations on it. That is awesome. RTC Services is built on the fundamental ideology that there is a place for everyone. We offer several programs to maximize our clients' chances for success. Whether they need day programs, transitions, vocab, or employment, we will work with them to find their place. RTC is proud to offer this podcast a place at the table. So let's flip it. What do you see as the biggest challenges that um, we're going to face in the next year, in the next five years? Um, what do you see coming up that you think we can improve on or that is challenging? Yeah, I mean, that is a great question and a huge question. I mean, <laughs> I um, I do, I, I think, you know, we have, even with the resource and the investment and uh, in in our system, I still think we have demographic uh, problems working against us as far as, you know, there are really great things such as, you know, people with disabilities are living much longer because of all of the advances that we've made. Yeah. But then that creates more care needs on, on the other side. And we are just seeing less and less people to enter our field to work in it while there are more and more people that need support and need services. And I think especially as you look to, you know, uh, population centers and where people are moving to and what where people can afford to live and where they can't, I think that we do have just some major challenges down the road as far as making sure even with the wages, even with the rates that we have the people we need to support all the people that that need support and services out in the state. And I think that is going to be a major challenge, not only for our state, but for our, for our country in general. Mm -hmm. And I think is something that is going to take a lot of intentional policy work around how we do that and how we make sure that there, you know, that people that people are living in the places where there are other people living that need support, that they can afford to live there, that all of that, it's just, we've got major kind of challenges outside of just our space that really, I think are going to drive some of those workforce issues. And then also, you know, I think I also, you know, we could be, you know, victims of our own successes in some ways that we did just get a huge investment from from the legislature to support our services. But, you know, I think we've got to then really show that that's going to great services happening. And um, I think we're going to have to then really take a look at where all the funding in our system goes and making sure that we're being the best kind of stewards of taxpayer dollars and making sure that, again, our system is working as, you know, efficiently as it can to also provide the highest quality services. And I do think that there's going to be, you know, some some scrutiny or some push to look at how we do things in our in our system over time. And I think that's something that you know, is always always on our radar as an association representing providers and also working in this bigger system. Right. You have mentioned funding a couple of times. Yeah. And um, I'm not sure 
that our audience has a good understanding of how um, our clients are funded. Could you speak to that just a little bit? Yeah, definitely. And please tell me if when I'm getting too deep in the weeds or getting too nerdy. But, you know, most of the services that our members provide who are, you know, disability service providers throughout the state are funded through Medicaid uh, services and also in many cases what are called Medicaid waiver services. Mm -hmm. But that means that essentially um, about 40, 35 to 40 percent of the funding that funds all of our services comes from the state of Ohio. And then we send that up to the federal government that they give us then the other 65 percent or 60 percent back down. And that creates the funding for our system. So that's sort of where the money comes from. But then importantly, to your point, is the actual reimbursement and rates for the services that providers provide are then set by our state legislature every two years in a, right. in a budget cycle. So we get we put up the funding to the feds, we draw it back down, and then the the state legislature says of that money, here's how much we're going to pay for the services within there. And then not to get even too complicated and even more in the weeds, we also have 88 county local county boards of developmental disabilities that also raise money locally to fund services. So in that money that we're pushing up to the feds, that's a mix of state dollars and also the local tax dollars that county boards uh, levy from their local constituents. So you mush that into a pot, that goes all off to the feds, then we get the money back and that's what funds this whole big, beautiful system that we have. <laughs> Leave, leave it to the government to make it that complicated, right? Oh, yeah. And that was the simple version of it, too. I know. So, I know it was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's important for people to understand that th there are dollars available to help them out that it that they shouldn't worry about that, that there's many, many criteria that, that are looked at, including diagnosis and all of it. So... Oh, completely. And, you know, for whatever it's worth here in Ohio, especially, uh, we, we, we really do have a very robust system of supports here, especially when you compare us to some other states and what their, um, you know, state governments are willing to both put up to get the funding down and also pay for their providers. And also, um, our eligibility in Ohio is a lot broader than in other states, meaning that we are willing to serve and support more people in Ohio than in some other states. And so, you know, as many challenges as our system has, we really do have a very robust and meaningful system of supports here uh, for people yeah. um, and the resources. We, we are definitely blessed with with a, a lot of options and I I am just coming up on a year in this industry and I just love it so much. And I will tell you that the clients we serve bring me more joy every day. <laughs> oh, completely. I'm so blessed to be able to come into this environment every day and watch people thriving within their circumstances. There is nothing better than that. Oh, completely. Completely. So you've been in this business a long time. I'll bet you've got some fun stories. Yeah. Definitely. I, and I was trying to think, I've got so many, yeah, yeah, so many just cool stories from over time, especially though, you know, I think back to, 
during my time when I was working for the County Boards Association, my role there was I was the Community Opportunities Director. So very specifically, I got to work with county boards and their providers on all the fun stuff, basically, how we do the things that you're talking about, how we help people get jobs in the community, how we help people connect with friends and clubs and networks and events in their community, how we just help support people to make friends and do the things they want to do. So in that time, and that it was really during that time that led into my work here at Opera, because I had spent so much time working with providers doing cool stuff during that time that once I came over here, I already knew so many of the providers and had relationships with them during that time. But, you know, I just think of, so one story I tell quite a bit, just because I think it's really cool, is when I first moved to, when I first started working in the field, I met, um, I met a young man uh, who, you know, he was uh, someone, you know, someone supported by one of the county boards uh, I worked for. And when I met him, like his big thing was Legos. He was really into Legos. And like, he would talk to me about Legos all the time. And like, and, you know, he would always give me these facts about Legos. And it was like really cool. And I always remember he taught me that Legos has a copyright or a trademark on the technology that makes Legos snap into place so well and then like require a crowbar when they need to be taken <laughs> apart and everything. Because if you've yeah. ever bought Legos from like the dollar store, they don't do that really. But either way, this was like a thing for a while that was almost like alienating to him because he was so, I'm going to and just use the word obsessed with Legos is like he always just wanted to talk about Legos, 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 that some people were like, all right, enough with the Legos, you know, it was enough. But over time, one thing I just thought, saw like culture change around Legos to all of a sudden from the time I met him, they were just like a kid's toy that whatever to flash forward a few years. And they were making movies about Batman Lego and the Lego movie and Legos had taken over. So I say to all the saves like very, almost right before the pandemic, I'm thinking this is like late 2019. I went to the uh, Columbus Metropolitan Museum of Art, and they had a whole Lego diorama of downtown Columbus made in there. And I saw that it was, they said it was designed, donated, and whatever by the OLUG, the Ohio Lego Users Group at the time. And then, so it was like, it all happened. And then we connected this young man with the Ohio Lego Users Group. And I just remember when I checked in with him, like in the pandemic, he was having like the most active social life of anybody I knew because he was on Zoom doing these Lego builds with people yeah. all over the state and everything. And I always just think that was cool just to think about like from one, a community connections point of view to, uh, you know, gifts of the hands and the heart. Like he this was stuff he really cared about. He was good at doing. And he eventually it took some time, but connected with a whole network of people around the state that were into the same thing. And like I said, during lockdown, when we were all like bored and lonely and going crazy, he, this guy was like on Zoom every night making Legos and doing cool stuff. And I always just liked that story because just over time thinking about that progression of like I met him during a time when it seemed like there everyone was kind of like, don't get don't get him started on the Legos. He'll never <laughs> stop to that being flipped to that being like his 
superpower of friendship almost, you know, that once, once that was really embraced and shown, that's not a thing that only this dude is obsessed with. There are tons of people who love that too and making that connection. And then, you know, uh, seeing him be able to kind of thrive with people who have the same interest and skill as him. That's just like one of those stories. And I've got tons kind of just like that. And that was the cool thing about my work then and what I still get to do now is. Yeah, I love that on so many levels because, you know, the goal is always for them to truly live their best life. And so when we're all trying to figure out how to just survive COVID, he's thriving because he found his people through technology. And I just love that. Completely. I mean, that it it is exactly that. Like he, you know, and yeah, they just had the whole Zoom lockdown thing figured out way before the rest of us. They were doing it, you know, and, uh, you know, that's a big part of what, especially in my previous life at the county boards, you know, I really worked with providers and the people they supported around how you connect around these areas of interest you have. And, you know, I just love flipping that on its head of like, people thinking, oh, this is a like a weird niche interest and only they would be into it. And like, no, that's not true. Once you explore, you know, there's so many opportunities to connect based on the things that any of us are interested in. And that's why, yeah, I'm just like, yeah, they- Connecting yeah, with the right people. Yeah, completely. That That's exactly right. I mean, it is, the, you know, the finding your tribe as it is, you know, that was- Yeah, that was, yeah. Uh, yeah, completely. I love that. And and I think it speaks to our whole business and that um, while they may learn differently or they may think differently, they still have the same passion and the same desires and the same need for a purpose that we all have. And he found his with all his Lego friends. And now he's living his best life like in spades. <laughs> I love it. Oh, completely. I mean, and that's so much of it to your point. I mean, any of the work that that I've done or that I try to support around this stuff, you know, this is community development and community connecting 101. It has nothing to do with people with disabilities or not. This is how we as people connect and relate to each other. And you just apply the same exact ideas and frameworks over to how we support people. And yeah, to your point, there's nothing disability specific about it. This is how we connect. And it's just, to your point, just breaking down that idea of there's nothing different. If the way the way we would connect over a movie we both like or a book we both read or whatever is the same exact, same exact thing. And there's no reason to think about it differently just because someone has a disability or or yeah. anything else. Yeah. And he might think some of us obsessed too much about football (laughs) completely and at least in my office (laughs) well and then here i'm going to really show my hand because i'm a big swifty so i've only been obsessed with (laughs) with football since about halfway through this season and now you know i'm about you are swifty so so now i'm chiefs all the way we gotta let's go so the Super Bowl has whole new meaning to you this year. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, <laughs> I'm definitely I'm one of those wearing the T-shirt that says I, I support Taylor Swift's boyfriend's team. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I'm tired of the Chiefs winning, so I'm hoping 
Well, you know, hopefully you only have one more game for them to win this season. You could stop yeah, being tired of yeah, it. then we have to wait a whole nother year for football, but I do love it. Yeah. Well, Scott, thank you so much. I know how busy yeah. you are, and um, I so appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to help people understand the value of advocation in our industry. All right. No, thank you so much for having me. I'm a big fan of RTC. Tell everyone over there I said hi, and no. uh, great to talk to you. Great. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to A Place at the Table. Until next time, I'm your host, Anita Wilkinson, wishing you a table full of love and joy.